Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? He is Vincent Corbo. Mr. Corbo is a legend in the security industry. First-rate operator known all over the world. I'm putting together a new security team. I'm looking for the most badass operators out there. Until I find them, I'll take you guys. Go back to the calls. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I am Marcus E. Ako and I am happy to be back from our break, jumping in and talking about films and television with my good buddy, who's about to introduce himself. Hi, I'm producer Dave, and yes, it's good to be back. Uh, films and television and some smattering of comedy. Yeah, we'll talk about comedy, we'll talk about my, my, uh, my, jaunt, my jaunt, my my jaunt into the world of stand-up comedy. I know a lot of you are probably sick and tired of me talking about it, getting loads of comedians on the show to talk about comedy, but uh, producer Dave, has, he's doing his job and he's wrangling me. The next few comedians that we're going to be getting on our show, we will be getting them to talk more about films, their interests, et cetera, et cetera. Especially when we get EXO to come back on and he's going to be talking about Marvel movies, right? So I'm amazing with him to get, come, get him back onto the show and we're going to chat about Marvel movies. That's going to be all we'll talk about. Maybe do like a three minute bit about his music career and then get back <laughs> into Marvel movies. So that's that's the reinvigorated new season that we're going to be talking more about films and television. Ain't that right, producer Dave? Yep, certainly. Excellent, excellent. Uh, now, th this new season, like I said, we'll be talking a lot about that. One of the things that we'll be bringing uh, into our episode at some point will be an interview with the chief executive of uh, Cinema Exhibitors Association, or also known as the UK Cinema Association. He's a, a CEO, Phil Clapp. He will, will be talking about an initiative that is going to be happening, probably if you listen to this, most likely has already gone past, but it was on the 3rd of September, talking about 
National Cinema Day, where a large range of cinemas across the country uh, were are offering uh, you know, a trip to the cinema for just three pounds, just to encourage people to go to the cinema. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about a number of things about what's happening with the cinema industry. We're going to talk about what's happening with Marvel Phase 4. And we'll be talking about loads of other movies that are coming out. We'll be having chats with our friends. You know, you hear recognized voices this season. We'll talk to the beautiful Jenna Suru, talk about how she's been touring the world, doing stuff. We'll talk about, we'll talk to Giles Alderson, filmmaker extraordinaire who's he's doing his he's got a number of film projects that he's working on the stranger in our bed is one that's going to come out pretty soon another one he's working on at the moment we're going to get him in we'll get dom lenoir we're going to get the shakespeare sisters we're going to get all of those fun loving people to come in and talk about film so trust us we're going to come back strong this season talking a lot about films and television in fact um, producer Dave is going to be talking about a couple of TV shows that he's gone into, the TV show and film. So we're going to throw it to him, but before we do that, let's jump straight into film and TV news. Producer Dave, you wanted to talk to me about uh, a TV show that I mentioned a while ago that I started watching. Uh, and, and I don't remember if you were watching. I think you watched one episode. I think you stopped. Uh, but there is news, obviously. So please, Mike, over to you. Talk about it. Yeah, it's called The Professionals and it stars Brendan Fraser and, and Tom Welling. Tom yes. Welling. I don't, when you talked about it, I'd only watched one episode and I was quite uh, flabbergasted when you said that you watched an episode, you were so horrified by how bad it was, but you kept on watching it anyway. Um, the same thing happened to me. <laughs> I, the premise was a, a good one. Um, I heard it was a ripoff of a, a film. I can't remember the name of the film, but um, the, I thought the premise was a good one, but the execution was so bad. There were some good action scenes in there, but I saw an episode and I was watching the credits at the beginning, instead of skipping through them, I watched the credits and I thought, hang on, these executive producers are going on for a little while. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I noticed that. Yep. So. I went back and counted how many executive producers it had. I, I, I want you to guess. Okay, so number of executive producers. Um, typically in a TV series, you would normally have between uh, four and maybe about eight. I'm going to take a jump and say 15. You'd be wrong. It was 20. Okay. Oh, oh, I was off by five. <laughs> there were 20. I could not believe that this show had 20 executive producers. The, the three main stars were executive producers and then a whole raft of other people. And I was like, okay, this was probably the reason why the execution of a lot of it was so bad you know okay so let me let me let me dip let me let me let me um throw some of my uh, some of my very roughly gleaned knowledge of that side of the business right 
So, the, the, okay. So when you when you look at the structure of like producers and executive producers, etc., the producer is the one who's doing the main work, right? Organizing the crew, getting the uh, story developed, and bringing projects to fruition. That's the producer's job. So when you look at the, the credits and you see producer, that's what they do. So we're talking something like Jerry Brockheimer. He's the producer, right? Now, when you see things like associate producer, that is usually people, those are usually people who are assisting in some capacity, right? So it may not necessarily, they may not necessarily have, if at all, any contribution to the script whatsoever. They may have helped a tiny little bit and technicals and so on and so forth. The executive producer usually is a money person or they introduce someone to a money person or they're the star. And as such, they don't really do much in terms of the producing stuff. And now I know before people start jumping down my throat saying, oh, there are some executive producers who are very hands-on. I would say it is rare for an executive producer to be properly hands-on on the project. They would be the producer, right? They're the ones who would have. So those stars that actually are in their own shows, TV shows, films, et cetera, you will notice that they are producers. Those are the ones who actually are in the writer's rooms and working. Those are the producers. The executive producers are usually the people, they get that tag because they've contribute, contributed money or they've lent their name to the project so that they can say, look, you know, you can take that project and go and get your investment now. When you don't have the stars in there, or sometimes you may even have some people who have cameo roles in there, and you can tell blatantly that they are terrible actors, and you're like, what are you doing in this? It is, you, you see their name as an executive producer, and that's because they bought their way onto the project, right? Because that's a great way to get money into the project. You basically say, if you invest 5% into this project, then we will give you executive producer role. When you have a project, and this is just my own theory, so you know anybody who disagrees with me, please message us on shoot the breeze at resonance one hundred four point four FM. Actually, shoot if you want to email us, feel free. Shoot the breeze resonance one hundred four point four at gmail.com or on Twitter at stb underscore resonance FM or on Instagram stb or shoot the breeze show at me with the hashtag it's all about the three-way and say you're wrong this is what it is about executive producers anyway when you have a tv show or a film that has as you said 20 executive producers it the quality is most likely going to be bad because all of these people are trying to inject money into the project they haven't got that much money in the project as in they don't have a huge budget but in order to raise that budget, they've had to get all these people in, right? So each person is dropping like 5K, 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 and they can only raise a certain amount of money. So the project tends to be shoddy, right? Like you've seen, you can tell, it's like that first episode, there's one bit, now that you've watched it, I don't care, I'm gonna spoil it. I remember that scene, I saw it only once, and I remember that scene. It was a scene at the very beginning, it's a car chase, right? Where Tom Welling's character, he's the, the mercenary that's hired by Brendan Fraser's rich guy, right? Brendan Fraser and his wife, who's the lady, I can't remember her name as well, but she's the actress. She's in Wonder Woman. She plays uh, Dr. Poison in, in Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, she's in it. She plays Brendan Fraser's wife, I believe. Um, girlfriend. And, and girlfriend, yeah, girlfriend, yeah. So Tom Welling, who's the mercenary, he's driving the car. He tells the other guy, Take, take the wheel the other guy takes the wheel and he turns around to, to shoot out of the car right they cut the edit is so bad 
they cut, you see the door open and it's from an area where Tom Welling could not have been from the car. And he takes a shot, right? Blows up the car behind him. And then he turns back around and they do the cut back to the front of the, the car and he's back in the driver's seat. And it's like, dude, how did you, how did, the, what, 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 what happened here? It's just like, seriously. Um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to rant. It's okay. Um, you know, we, we are talking about <laughs> Superman, you know what I mean? And Superman moves fast and can do it. <laughs> <laughs> got what Schroeder would do. <laughs> So did you finish, did you finish the, the, the Oh yeah, the, I watched it. I, and I, I'm thinking to myself, if this comes back for a second series, there is no justice, but it had better be really good. If you I believe it. it's been canceled. I believe it's been canceled. Um, because, yeah, I, I think it has been canceled <laughs> because I think Tom Welling has moved on to other projects. I think Brendan Fraser has moved on to other projects, but I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Um, but, oh no, that, yeah, that show, it was, painful watching it i i same thing same as you i watched every episode but it was like oh come on really am i really putting myself through this budget was too low the special effects were terrible it, the acting was atrocious i only watched it because i really like tom welling i really love brendan fraser i think brendan, brendan fraser is brilliant um yeah so i watched it just for the two of them and it was just the two of them maybe kept coming back. But yeah, so... Um, well, Brendan Fraser yeah. should have stayed with um, Doom Patrol. He's, uh, he's, he's, still, he's still part of Doom Patrol. Yeah, so. he's still part of Doom Patrol. But, you know, even though it's only a voice voice thing, he was brilliant. His voice yeah. was brilliant. But moving on to... Moving um, on. There was on. another thing that you watched. Yeah, there was... Um, yeah. Well, another thing, a film. And I've, we've mentioned this before as well. Uh, the Tomorrow War, starring yes. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, yes. Who was executive producer on that film as well? Of course, yes. And it was his first executive production as well. Uh -huh. I read that in, in the thing. And I really like the premise of that film. I think the premise is really good. I really sure. do. And I think on the whole, the acting is really good, okay. apart from Chris Pratt. You didn't like Chris Pratt's acting? I thought... You know when you've got an actor who brings all these dimensions to a role? Yes. Um, I thought, I, I wouldn't say he was one-dimensional. That okay. would be unfair. But I could not say he was three, he, he was an all-around three-dimensional. I thought it was more two-dimensional. Okay. I, I think his, the little girl who played his daughter. Yes. I'm talking about the little girl who played his daughter out-acted him. Okay. And she was a bit wooden as well. Okay. I just thought, you know what, you could have done so much more with this. I, the, the, the film itself, I really like the premise. There's some plot holes in there. They're, they're going to make a sequel, and I'm really glad to see a sequel. Are uh, they making a sequel? Yeah, they're making a sequel. Um, right. Amazon was so pleased with the results of, of the, um, the movie. Apparently, it was uh, number one on their lists for God knows how many weeks. Yeah. Uh, that they, they've gone for a, a uh, a sequel and Paramount were very pleased that because they got their, all their money back. Yeah, two hundred million they spent on it. They couldn't release it in the cinema, but Amazon paid the two hundred million, so they got their, all their money back. And Amazon oh. really like, soaked it in because so many people watched it. Um, and like I said, I mean, I keep saying it's a good premise. 
that oh god there was a guy in there called sam richardson i think it is yes yeah, sam richardson yeah <laughs> oh gosh he, he just he put chris pratt to shame even the little even the the, the kid the volcanologist the amateur yeah. volcanologist was this dread he was just like he knew everything you know um okay i really really enjoyed the film but i just thought chris pratt's performance wasn't all that so let me jump in First, first of all, let me declare my credentials before I start diving into it. My credentials in this case is the fact that I am, at the moment, I am currently a white belt Chris Pratt apologist, right? So what I mean by that is I loved him so much in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I loved him in, in um, Parks and Rec. And those movies alone those movies and tv show alone have made me i'm putting on the white belt so i'm i'm like two maybe one maybe white belt maybe slightly let's go green belt right slightly higher than white belt apologies for chris pratt because i really like him as an actor i like him as what he does now i watched the tomorrow war and i understand where you're coming from when you say he was outacted by all these people I have an explanation for that, or rather an excuse for that. I'm his apologist. I'll explain why. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> this is this is one of the first films where he's the lead role and he has to play the dramatic role, right? So he has to play the dramatic role. And we all know Chris Pratt as being the comedian, right? God is a galaxy. He's the Han Solo character. Um, and he plays Andy Dwyer. He's just a pure goofball, right, from Parks and Rec. So this is kind of the first role. I mean, you can talk about the, the Jurassic World movies, but even there, while he's still the serious character, he's the playful serious character. Right? He's still playful, right? That's what he is. This is the first one where he's full on serious. He's a war vet who is coming in and dragged back into war with creatures to just destroy. Now, what you then have in the same film, because he's the lead character, is the whole idea where they didn't want to make him the funny guy, but he's a funny guy. So we see him playing serious, and then they drop a whole bunch of other funny characters or people who can, they can allow themselves to be funny, like J.K. Simmons, who plays his dad. I mean, J.K. Simmons is amazing. Whenever he he's great at drama, he's great at comedy. He's you. I'm sure he's great in musicals. I mean, he got an Oscar for um for um Whiplash, right? It technically it's a musical. It's musical without singing. That's my argument. And he's great in it. Won an Oscar for it. So he's great at anything he touches his hands at, and he's funny in this. So what you then have at the end. They do the comedic pairing of J.K. Simmons and uh, Sam Richardson. Sam Richardson, I think, is a great actor as well. I first saw him in Veep, and then I saw him in, um, oh, what's the, Ted Lasso, right, where he comes in as this rich, like, Ghanaian millionaire who's trying to form an African super team, right? And so he's fantastic in it as well. So he comes in and they make the, you know, the comedic duo of J.K. Simmons and Sam Richardson. And you have Chris Pratt just being the straight guy. I, I was watching it thinking, I know what you can do comedically. I know what you could do comedically. Do it. I want to see you do it, but he's not doing it. He's just being the straight guy. And I'm like, oh, no, so that's for me. 
the reason why I feel you saw him as being outacted by everyone is because he's trying to play the straight guy and Chris Pratt, he has the features for it. He's buff, he's tough, um, and he try he can do the straight guy thing, um, the tough drama guy thing, but you can't do that when you then add the comedic element because yes, it's a, it's a, you know, it's not horrible, but it's an action movie, right? But it's a it's a an out there action movie. It's kind of like you can suspend disbelief because it's alien, so you can add the humor, but you don't give him the chance to do the humor part, and that becomes a problem. Now contrast that with another thing that's on Amazon. It's not a film; it's a TV series, which is called The Terminal List. Okay, The Terminal List is currently on Amazon. I think there are about eight episodes. That is him being full drama. And it is a dramatic role. It's a, it's suspense, it's mystery, it's it's full on action. There are comedic elements, but the comedic elements aren't they're, they're not upfront, right? They're there just to punctuate the drama and the tension and the action. And Chris Pratt, in my opinion, kills as a dramatic actor. That, but I think he learned from the Tomorrow War. I think Tomorrow War had too much of a balance for him to do that. I, so let's just say, ver your verdict, did you enjoy Tomorrow's War? I, I, I enjoyed the Tomorrow War, but I, I was left sort of nonplussed by Chris Pratt's uh, thing. I haven't got the history you have with him, so yeah. I, I'll have to leave it there. We'll have to come yeah. back to it another time. Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. So we've just been going through talking about... Uh, some of the movies that and TV shows that producer Dave has been enjoying. He's been he's, he's just told us about uh, the professionals and tomorrow's war. It's tomorrow's war. The no, tomorrow the, the tomorrow war. Yes, the tomorrow war. I always get that a little bit uh, confused. Um, okay, so just before I mean bef before the uh, the episode a couple of weeks ago, producer Dave sent me an article, a Guardian article. Uh, because producer Dave is under the mistaken impression that I read. And the article heading goes, From Wakanda Forever to Don't Worry Darling, the best films to see in autumn 2022. Uh, producer Dave, did you read that article or did you send it to me to make sure that I can read? <laughs> no, I read the article and I thought, ah, well, this should be something that you would see. Okay, so... I did. I read the article. It's uh, so it's an interesting article. There were some there were some films that, that I was obviously aware of. I knew was coming up, uh, but there were some that really I was like, oh, I, I had no idea this was ever in the works, uh, and now it's out. And uh, very interested in reading it, um, in in watching it. So Peter Bradshaw wrote the article. This is from uh, tw the twenty third of August. You can check it on the Guardian uh, Guardian online. Autumn Arts Preview twenty twenty two from Wakanda Forever to Don't Worry Darling, the best films to see in autumn 2022. Now, rather than go through the full list of, of films that uh, were mentioned, what I did, I think there were about, about 10 different movies in the list, but I, I'm not gonna read out all 10. I have written out one, two, three, four, five films from that list that I definitely am going to get myself out of the sofa and go and watch because dragging myself to the cinema these days it's 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 i don't know an age thing a commitment thing 
uh, uh, you know, COVID fear thing, monkeypox fear thing. So <laughs> it's whatever, whatever. So it has kind of slowed my roll going into the cinema these days. But these five films that are coming in autumn 2022 that I will definitely risk COVID to go and watch. The first one is 3,000 Years of Longing. Have you heard of this film before, Producer Dave? Well, not before I read the, uh, the article. Not before you read the article. Okay. <laughs> so for people who've never read the article, who haven't read the article, who've never heard of it before, the film is, uh, the director of the film is George Miller. Writer, director is George Miller. You recognize him from things like uh, the Mad Max Fury Road. Um, uh, he's, yeah, so he's very, you know, wild artistic director. He's uh, directing Tilda Swil Swinton, uh, Idris Elba, and Pia Thunderbolt. The one-line synopsis on IMDb says, a lonely scholar, played by Tilda Swinton, uh, is on a trip to Istanbul when she discovers a djinn, or a genie, who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. So you imagine sort of like a, an Aladdin-type story set in modern day, uh, modern times, uh, but, but from the trailer and from the artwork, you see the tra their trailers popping up at the moment on YouTube, etc. It is a very fantastical type movie. Um, I, you know, that, that's the only thing I know about it. But hey, I said I was a green belt um, Chris Pratt apologist. I'm a brown belt Idris Elba uh, apologist. I will anything that Idris Elba is in, even though I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, he just plays Idris Elba. I don't care. He's a guy I will still go and watch. I think he's fantastic in whatever he's doing. Tilda Swinton just she just disappears into whichever role she's playing. So I know she I'm in safe hands with her. So yeah, that was the first thing in that list that I wanted to go see. Producer Dave, from me pitching it, would you go see Three Thousand Years of Longing? I'm not sure because there's another um, Idris Elba film coming out that's not on this list and. Um... That one looked a little bit more appealing, to be quite honest. So I'm not too sure. Which film was that? Tell us which film was I, that. I can't remember, but I, I do recall that thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, he's been—he's going to be popping up in several films very shortly." So uh, yeah, there was another one. I'm not too sure. Tilda Swinton, though, yeah, she is a good actress. So that's that might swing uh, it for me. I, I think I know the one you're talking about with yourself. Is it called Beast? Is it the one with? That's that? it. Yeah, Beast. Yes. Yes. Mm. So it's the it's the it's it's the it's the it's the jaws in Africa. <laughs> that's yes. I, I saw it. I was like that. That's what it is. So it's just a, it's a it's a father taking his uh, his daughters on African safari and they get attacked by a pride of lions. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's yeah. So yeah. I mean that is one I will watch at home. Uh, I you know I I like Idris Elba, but it's not one I'm going to go watch in the cinema. I will watch it at home. Sorry, I'm I know we're supposed to try and help gin up, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> audiences to go to the cinema but um i will wait till it comes out on box office uh okay so the next film on in, in, from the list that i picked that i said again only reason i'm going to see it is because of the talent involved this one is called don't worry darling this one is directed by olivia wilde uh it stars florence Pugh, who i okay i don't i don't say this too often producer dave you know this and you can vouch for this but I have a crush on Florence Pugh. I, I rarely ever have crushes on uh, <laughs> actresses. It's, it's, it's a rare, it's a rare and scarce thing. 
but yes, I think she's fantastic. Um, Florence Pugh, you've seen her in Black Widow. You've seen her in uh, Lady Macbeth. You see her in um, uh, wrestling. Is it wrestling? Fighting with my family. Midsummer. Uh, Little Women. She's just fan. She steals the show every time. She's she stole Black Widow. She literally she stole Black Widow. Black Widow was an amazing film. No, no, sorry, I take that back. Sorry, I. She was she. Her performance was amazing in Black Widow. I stumbled with my words and almost did a, a Freudian slip there. Mm. I'm calling Black Widow an amazing movie, but it's just, <clears throat> no, no, no. Florence Pugh was amazing in Black Widow. It was a word salad there. Anyway, going back to the movie itself, it's called "Don't Worry, Darling." It's it, from the trailer. It's also it's got Harry Styles in it as well. Um, it, the plotline is a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company may be hiding disturbing secrets. So it's, it kind of has a, um, oh, what's the what's that um, that film uh, that is based on a 50s film, I think it's based on a book, Stepford Wives. It's got a Stepford Wives feel to it. You know, it's like, it's, it's 1950s movie, um, suburbia, like very um, saccharine, you know, very brightly colored, American suburbs, uh, you know, and, you know, very prim and proper type ladies, but obviously there is something really uh, creepy in the background, is mysterious and, and disturbing in the background, and it says that in the thing, but you can feel that's coming, something weird is going to come from it. So that's one of the reasons, I, I, that's one of the reasons I want to watch it. Um, yes, Florence Pugh never disappoints whenever I see her. So yes, I want to go see that one for her. That's Don't Worry darling. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we are rambling on about the Guardian article from Wakanda Forever to Don't Worry Darling, the best films to see in autumn 2022 by Peter Bradshaw. He wrote that article in the Guardian article and uh, I'm picking from his list five films that I will get up and go and see in the cinema. We've talked about 3,000 years of longing. I've talked about Don't Worry, Darling. The next one is The Woman King. Producer Dave, have you heard of The Woman King? Yes, from this article and a little bit online. And this is one that I would, would like to see. Viola okay. Davis. Good, yes. So Viola Davis, it's got Viola Davis, it's got uh, John Boyega in it. Uh, it is, it is a historical epic inspired by true events that happened in the kingdom of Dahomey, which is now the Benin, uh, Benin, it is called, it's Benin, the country of Benin. It's like Benin, Nigeria, around that area. Um, the, the most powerful states of Africa in 18th and 19th century. So it's basically about this tribe around the same time where the uh, colonizers from different European countries like you know England, Great, Great Britain, France, etc. They start coming into Africa, trying to you know take over and take resources, and you know what happened. You know, I don't need to tell you what happened. Um, you know, even if you don't study history, you kind of know what the Europeans did to the Africans. But we're not going to go in that direction just yet. But this is a story of a warrior. Um, warrior general, if you will, in the ranks of this African kingdom, uh, played by Viola Davis. She is the warrior um, 
king, if you will, or rather what they call the woman king. So she, she's a general in the army. John Boyega plays the actual king of the village, but obviously she is, she leads this army. Of, kind of imagine if you've seen uh, um, Black Panther, the Dora Malaji, if you mm. uh, And yeah. in fact, using that as an example, they, they are basically tough women who come together to fight to defend the kingdom of Dahomey. Uh, and so you'll get to see a lot of women kicking, kicking serious B-U-double-T or A-double-S or, or A-R-S-E, if that's how you want to spell it, being from the UK. Uh, yes, so that is one that I definitely want to see. I love any, I love films that focus on, on Africa back in the 19th, in the 18th century as proud warrior types. Yes, I know the stories and so on and so forth. I grew up there. I grew up in Nigeria and I watched those stories. I watched those films, those TV shows. I read those stories. Um, uh, Things Fall Apart is one of my, is, is one of my favorite books by Chinyu Achebe. Uh, Shaka Zulu, he's not Nigerian, but if, you know, those stories, you get to see, you, you never get to see those stories in Western cinema. You never get to see, you, you see it and it's fantasy like in Black Panther, right? But yeah, that actually happened. Sure, we know what the results were, but hey, say the same thing about, you know, films about Native Americans, you know, brave Native Americans fighting against the Cowboys. We know what happened there, but it's still good to see uh, Last of the Mohicans and so on and so forth before that. Anyway, I digress massively. The film is The Woman King, Viola Davis plays the lead. Definitely will step out and go and see it. Fourth film on my list is Banshees. And I'm gonna tear I'm gonna tear up this name, right? Because I, I I've seen it, I saw it on there, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna take my time to make sure I pronounce this correctly. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Now, I had never heard of this movie before. So, like I said, one of the ones that just pops up and I, I read about it and I was like, oh my goodness, that's interesting. I want to see it. And I don't even know if I, I, this is the thing, I don't even know if I will like it, but I, I want to go see it because again, the pedigree, it's written and directed by Martin McDonough. Now, when I say Martin McDonough, if you know who I'm talking about, you know what his work is. He did In Bruges. He did um, three billboards outside uh, um, Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, there was another one that he did, Seven Psychopaths. I think he did that as well. Um, so he always has people like Colin Farrell in it. He's got um, Brendan Gleeson in it. They, they come back, they return in this one. The storyline is two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. Now that may sound like a very boring synopsis, right? It, it's, I'm pretty sure someone heard me say that and just went to sleep. And you're wondering why the hell is Marcus saying this is a film that he wants to go see? I don't care about that. He couldn't even pronounce the name of the, of the film. It's the <laughs> Banshees of Inishirim, right? Inishirim. Now, like I said, the pedigree behind the movie is one that makes me want to go and watch it. We talk about Colin Farrell. I really love, love Colin Farrell, everything he does. Again, hey, I'm not going to go, I'm not an apologist for him, but I like the films he's in. He's, he's a very charismatic actor. Um, Brendan Gleeson is fantastic in everything he does. He's a great actor, but mainly because it's written and directed by Martin McDonough. Now, Martin McDonough, his scripts are full of cussing and F-bombs and very creative ways to say the F-word and the S-word 
and sometimes the C word. And it's like, wow, that was just lyrical, right? So he's great at that. That's one thing. Second thing that he's great at is just writing sudden outbursts of violence, right? You, there's one scene in particular, I'm not gonna spoil the scene, but it's in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. There's a scene where you're laughing, you're laughing your head off in one second. And in the same scene, something happens and it switches to a point where you're like, oh my God, oh, what just happened? And it's just in that switch, he does that quite a, quite a lot in his films. Um, and so like in Bruges, in Bruges, what in Bruges is low key one of my favorite underrated films. Is like even when I'm listing top 10 films, I never mention it. And then someone will say in Bruges, and I'm going, Oh my god, I forgot in Bruges, it's so freaking beautiful. And I forget it, and then I have to try and yank something off the list. And then you ask me again in a week's time, I'll forget to mention it, even though I think it's such a great film because Martin McDonough is a fantastic writer and you know a great director that's why i want to see this because knowing absolutely nothing of banshees of inner sharon i'm not even going to watch the trailer i like the fact that that simple simplistic synopsis tells me nothing i want to go into it blind i want to be surprised and then come back and say yeah it's all right pretty today do you think you want to go see banshees of inner sharon probably because um i i like the i, I like the idea of watching a black comedy Yes, yes. And that's what he's very, very good at, Black comedies. Anyway, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we are discussing the article, or we're discussing some of the picks from the Guardian article, uh, Autumn Arts Preview 2022, from Wakanda Forever to the to Don't Worry, Darling, the best films to see in Autumn 2022 by Peter Bradshaw. Now, I said I was going to pick five films from the 10-ish films in his list. I have already picked one uh, from the title of that film, of that list, which was Don't Worry Darling. The other one is the other one that's mentioned in the title, which is F Wakanda Forever. So of course, I'm gonna pick Wakanda Forever as a film that as soon as, as, soon as it is available for me to go and watch, I am there. I am in that cinema with my kids, with or without my kids. I'm there to see this film over and over again. I'm gonna check it out. I, yes, I've mentioned I'm a mob. I, I, I wish I was being paid by Marvel. I know a lot of people say, oh, you're being paid by Marvel. I wish. Uh, in fact, I, I, I would do it for free, which is why they don't, probably don't pay me. Uh, because, and this is why we need to have another, we need to have a conversation pretty today. If we haven't slated a time as to when we're going to do this, have that conversation about Marvel phase four. We need to have that conversation because I have thoughts, man. I have big, big thoughts. Have you seen She-Hulk yet? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Uh, I've been taking a rest from Marvel. Okay. Okay. Um, boy. Oh, we, okay. So EXO, the artist, needs to come back in so we can have that full conversation <laughs> about Marvel because, boy, boy, I I have words and thoughts. But anyway, that let's not talk about that now. Let us let us let us um let us talk about the one that I do. I'm looking, anticipating, wanting to go see, and this is the sequel, of course, to Black Panda with Black Panda, not Black Panda, Black Panther, which is Black Panther. Wakanda forever. 
starring Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, um, uh, oof, um, uh, Danai uh, Guerrera, um, Angela Bassett, I'm trying to pick names, uh, people are going to be popping up, Clark, Clark Duke, Clark Duke. <clears throat> I think Clark Duke, isn't it? Yes, he plays um, uh, Mbaku, yes. And Winston Simon Freeman. Duke. Winston Duke, Winston Duke, not Clark Duke. Clark Duke, I don't know who Clark Duke is, but Win Winston Duke. And yes, Martin Freeman uh, coming back as Everett Ross. Uh, so you have Angela Bassett who, and so on and so forth. So now, obviously, one of the things that is going to be surrounding this particular movie is the fact that Chadwick Boseman is not returning. He unfortunately passed of uh, cancer. And so he's not going to be reprising his role of uh, T'Challa, which is, is the Black Panther. Now, there is there's a trailer which i've watched the trailer and I, I i had to watch the trailer i don't like watching marvel trailers but i now have a new rule i will watch a marvel trailer once just so that i can see what's going to happen and then i will do my best for the three to six months before the movie comes out to purge my memory of everything i saw in the trailer um so that's basically what i've done i've watched the movie it, it is essentially from what i understand from what I saw from the trailer, and I haven't looked at any synopsis for a movie, but it is basically looking at the aftermath of T'Challa's death, which I am extremely satisfied with. I had this conversation with somebody a while ago where we the people didn't, you know, there was it was all up in the air. What's going to happen? Are they going to recast the character of T'Challa? And there were a lot of people saying yes, they should recast it because the Black Panther he's a great character. T'Challa he's a great character. I staunchly put my feet down and say, I understand where you're coming from, that the character of T'Challa is a great character, especially for Africans uh, everywhere, for people of color everywhere, because he's a great, wholesome character that you can look up to. However, the, that's not the, that shouldn't be the only character we look up to. And yes, the actor who's playing that character has passed and people should be saying, oh yeah, we want that character to live on. So we should recast. Look, they did it with Rhodey. They did it with, uh, no, there's a difference. Chadwick Boseman put his stamp on it for at least five movies. More if you include the What If series. And he did a great job with the What If series as well. Uh, you know, playing T'Challa as Star-Lord. Um, but I think with his passing, we need to leave it for him. We need him to be the face people see as the Black Panther. What I also think, this is, if, if, if Marvel, if you're listening to me, if you're listening, I don't know how you're going to be listening um, because we're not that important. But if you want to hear a pitch, right? And I, you know, I've been keeping this pitch inside and this is my argument for it, right? I say, look, at the end of the day, the fact that everyone keeps complaining that, oh, you know, um, they they keep changing the ethnicity of various popular characters so that minorities can have you know roles that they can play like Bond or Wild Wild West or you know Jim West or Doctor Who and whatnot. There's always that argument that's coming out right where they're saying no, this character was always white. Why are you going to have to make it a black person? Why why don't you go and create your own character? And then those same freaking people. Sorry, I'm going to get very angry here. Those same people, when you want to then turn around and say, okay, let's create new characters. And no, why are you doing that? Why are you going to do that? I'm like, stop it, right? This is the perfect opportunity to create new characters that people of color can then step in. So here's my pitch, 
right? Don't recast Black Panther. Don't recast T'Challa. No one's listened to me now because obviously the, the sequels come out, so we'll know whatever happens. And if it turns out that he gets recast, I'm going to go to the cinema and I'm like, fine, y'all didn't listen to me. It doesn't matter. Anyway, don't recast T'Challa. Instead, have a series, a Disney series called Children of the Black Panther, right? Where what you have, you have, you have um, Shuri, uh, you know, Letitia Wright, the sister of T'Challa. She goes and she recruits her own version of the Avengers from Africa. Six different people, right, who either have superpowers or they get trained to have superpowers or they're sharp, they're smart, they're so on, right? And all these six people all have stories of how the Black Panther influenced their lives. And so what we then have are these people that we build up their, their stories, some of them become heroes, and most importantly, a couple of them turn into villains, right? For, for whatever reason, they because of power or because they get corrupted or because of ambition or whatever. And then you have those stories then span out. And then you have the third Black Panther movie, which is about this massive group coming together, fighting a bigger evil or so on and so forth. Then you now have six different characters that you can span off into different stories, right? Who can all be played by people of color. You see what I mean? And you can call them the children of the Black Panther. Anyway, I know you've all switched off by now because I saw producer Dave, he fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> but Wakanda Forever is the, it's the fifth film on the list that I am going to go and pay money to go see. Uh, producer Dave, are you going to be with me watching uh, Wakanda Forever? Well, I don't know if I'll be with you, but yeah, yeah. I can't see it. Um, I'm surprised that you didn't choose um, Avatar film. No, I saw Avatar, the sequels of Avatar. I was like, eh, see, I, I went to the cinema to go see Avatar. I saw the 3D. I was blown away by it. And then a few months later, I saw it on TV. I was like, was this what I watched at the cinema? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I watched at the cinema. And so that, I'm like, no. So I, I will watch Avatar. I won't go to the cinema to go watch it, uh, even though it's probably best I go and watch it in 3D or whatever gimmick they're going to be attaching to it. But, you know, I'm I'm not one to be blown away by 3D stuff anymore. So I take it you want to go see Avatar. Uh, no, I still haven't seen the first one. <laughs> really? You haven't seen the first one? No, I was. I I saw the trailers and I pretty much wasn't impressed, so I didn't bother. Yeah. Okay. Well, I because you can't go and see it now at the cinema in three D. Um, I, I would say if you don't want to go see it, don't see it. You don't have to see it because when you see it on TV, it's like well the gimmick is gone. But when you're watching it in three D in the cinema, it's fully, it's very. It is. It is a movie made for three D. Three D was made for that movie because you are immersed into that world. You're immersed into Pandora, I believe is the world that's they, they, there. It is just, you're flying with all the characters, you're falling into waterfalls, into forests and whatnot. It's beautiful. It was very beautifully done. Um, but yeah, I'm in no rush to go see it again. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And uh, earlier in the week, in fact, actually the week before, eh, depending on whenever you get to hear this, a while ago, I did an interview with the CE, the chief executive of the UK Cinema Association, Phil Clapp, who was introducing the initiative or was talking about the initiative of uh, the National Cinema Day. 
Uh, and I spoke to him and he was very, very eloquent about, about it, much more than I am right now. So let's just go to that interview and you'll hear all about National Cinema Day. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I've got uh, my guest with me, who is the CEO of uh, Cinema First and UK Cinema Association. Please tell us your name and what your organization is about. Hi there. So my name's uh, Phil Clapp, and my day job is that I'm chief executive of the UK Cinema Association, which is the, the, the trade organization representing the interests of the broad range of UK cinema operators, so including all of the major multiplex operators like Odeon, View and Cineworld, and then a very, very long tail of smaller operators, quite often single-site independent cinemas across the whole of the UK. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. Um, and you've got a new initiative out called the National Cinema Day. Tell us, what is that all about? So National Cinema Day is Saturday the 3rd of September uh, and it's intended to be a celebration of cinema and cinema going and its place in the affections of the the, the UK public. You know, cinema going is amongst the nation's favourite out-of-home leisure activities. So over 550 cinemas across the UK, uh, across all UK nations and, and, and across every region and big town and city are offering tickets for £3 to all screenings. And we hope to encourage not just people who've already been back to the cinema or regular cinema goers to come back again, but also people who maybe haven't been to the cinema for a while to just come back and remind themselves of what the nation loves about the big screen experience. Excellent. And one thing about cinema experience, obviously we go to watch the big blockbuster movies, the superhero movies, etc. Uh, how will this initiative help independent films that are trying to you know place a stake in the uh, cinema in, in the local cinemas how can this initiative help those independent films so i think we've been very keen to work with cinemas of all shapes and sizes to ensure that the the, the films that are on offer on national cinema day represent as broad a range and diversity of films as possible so yes there will be you know, some of the current releases such as Nope and Bullet Train and Fisherman's Friends and others. And there'll be some of the recent uh, major films, Top Gun Maverick and Minions and Thor and Jurassic World and others. But also, you know, f certainly for those multiplex operators who have a number of screens to operate on, there'll also be a range of independent films. And we very much hope that, you know, maybe a, a, a lower ticket price, a £3 ticket price, will encourage some people not just to go for familiar blockbusters and not just to go for the familiar titles, but maybe to take a chance on, a, on an independent film or a film they're less familiar with. And, and, you know, hopefully what they'll see, they'll enjoy, and that will encourage them to come back and see other similar films in the future. Excellent. And for yourself, when you go to, uh, to experience this, what movie are you going to be watching? So I'm going to operate completely against what I've just said, and I'm going to go back to the cinema again to see Jordan Peele's Nope. I've seen it once, and there's so much to take in, both in terms of the narrative, but also I think some of the subtext to it, that I'm really looking forward to going back and, and, and you know, kind of almost kind of taking in some more of what the film is about. It's, 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 it's not an easy watch, I think it's fair to say, but certainly it's a film which deserves to be seen on the big screen. To be seen on the big screen several times to fully, you know, kind of comprehend what the film's about. 
Yeah, that's definitely on my radar. It's something I, I'll probably use this opportunity to go see that as well. Um, just give us a, a, a range of some, some of the cinemas that will be using this initiative. So so all of the major multiplex uh, companies, Odeon, View, Cineworld, Empire, Showcase, they're all supporting the uh, National Cinema Day and all of their cinemas will be taking place. But also a large number of smaller independent venues. So across the capital, we have the likes of the Castle Cinema in Hackney, Catford Muse, Genesis, Mylen, Peckhamplex, Rich Mix in Bethnal Green, Rio Dalston. The best thing I can do is to encourage your listeners to go on to the National Cinema Day website, which is fairly easy to remember. It's National Cinema day.uk and if they put in their location they will come up with a list of local participating cinemas they can click through onto the names of each of those cinemas and they can then see the films that are on offer and if they want to they can then book tickets i'd offer a broad encouragement to do that as soon as possible what we're hearing from cinemas large and small across the country is a great deal of demand for tickets on the day so the encouragement is to book early involve your friends and family and then be confident that you'll be able to take part in the celebration fantastic and just a reminder what day is uh, national cinema day national cinema day is this coming saturday the 3rd of september i think we very much hope uh, we probably expect it now to be a success and if it is we'll certainly attempt to make it at very least an annual event fantastic that was going to be my next question how regular is this going to be so that's uh, fantastic that you've already answered that phil thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us about national cinema day and we hope it is a massive success and it happens uh, far more regularly than once a year so we can go and watch our favorite films for a very very low price thanks very much marcus and with your advice i'm definitely going to go see nope do but be prepared (laughs) (laughs) well that's jordan peele's movies right so absolutely when you follow like get out exactly so you have to be as you mentioned be aware of all the subtext and and and, uh, it's definitely worth a rewatch so i'll definitely do that thank you very much and that was me talking to phil clapp uh the national cinema day uh, you know three pounds per day three three pounds per day three pounds for a ticket to go to the cinema great great um, initiative to be able to get people to go back into the cinema. Uh, Producer Dave, let me ask you this question. Um, And it was a question I wanted to ask, but I didn't have that much time and I didn't really want to sort of like dig into things that he may not necessarily want to talk about. But is the cost of tickets at the cinema the reason why you wouldn't want to go to the cinema? Um, No. The cost of a local cinema that I go to is standard. It's, uh, it's about five pounds. So okay. it's not a problem. But I I do believe that the costs generally are really uh, prohibitive. And, I mean, if you go to the West End, it's like 20 pounds for a ticket to go in. So family of four, just to get in, that's 80 quid or around about 60 to 80 quid. And that is an expensive evening, especially since if you take kids with you, they'd want all the other trimmings, the popcorns, the sweets, and it's easier hundred pounds. National Cinema Day, which I understand is international, and I understand they're doing it in America on the same day as well. Um, that cuts it down to what? Uh, three, six, nine, 12 quid, plus all the rest of it, it cuts it down to 20 pounds, less than the price of one cinema ticket in the West End. So I think it's a really good idea but um, they'll need to do that more regularly, um, maybe twice a year, two or three times a year, just to um, get people back into the habit of 
going to the cinema, I think. Yeah, and as he says in the interview clip, he he says how you know if as it's a success or if it's a success, it's going to be more of a an annual event that occurs. I think they should do a more of a quarterly event. That way, it's like once every three months, you know, you have a cinema day. I think that's good because then you can get people going out. You get people who don't go to the cinema at all going to the cinema at least four times a year. This that immediately true. bumps it up, right? Mm. Um. And there's, you know, the question I asked him about independent cinema, independent films. Um, the reason why I was just throwing that in there was because, obviously, with a lot of cinemas, the cinemas that are closer to closest to the various people, as you say, you go to local, so your local cinema, your local cinema most likely caters for some of that, you know, art house independent type movies that you can go and see. Uh, but there are a lot of independent filmmakers who struggle to get their films into the big screens, right, onto the big screens to be able to get it shown. Um, because nobody's going to go pay, I say nobody, um, people are less likely to want to go to the cinema to go and spend, as you said, you know, £20 per ticket, uh, you know, and, and all the trimmings to go and watch a, you know, an indie house, you know, costume, no costume drama, that's more big picture, but you know what I mean, like, you know, like, a, 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 you know, a, a coming of age story by the Shakespeare sisters or whatever, even though I think that's a fantastic film, it, you, it's difficult to get people to go to the cinema to spend that large amount of money, even though they want to, they would say, oh, I'd rather wait till it comes out on DVD or on, on demand, and I'll just pay my £3.99 to watch it from the, you know, comfort of my own home. So this kind of initiative, if done regularly, might actually help independent films to get at least a screening so they can even set it up in a way where we say, okay, you know what? I know that, um, you know, the quarterly UK national, you know, cinema day is coming up. I'm going to aim to have my film do a cinema, a cinematic run just on that one day or just for that weekend. That way it allows people who can go in there and say, hey, I'm here. I've got, you know, I, you know, I've got time to kill. I've got three pounds. I'm going to the cinema. I can see this film. You can then encourage your own friends to go to the cinema and watch it at a very cheap price. And then at least give that little optic to uh, independent films. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying it. It sounded like a good idea in my head. I'm sure there are a whole bunch of logistics and a lot of film producers are like, shut up, dude, stay in your lane. So uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you all very much again. You, you all, Those of you who stuck with us, for our rambling and our ranting and whatnot, uh, listening to us come back with a new season, new show with my with my my new, um, you know what's the word? Um, where you make a promise, my vow to make these shows more about films and television as opposed to hijacking it with my own interests. But hey, at the end of the day, it's it's my show. It's my show and producer Dave's show. So we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. So I'm going to bully producer Dave into talking about the stuff that I want to talk about. Um, and but I will I will keep it on track. Get more films and television shows topics going. Um, we're gonna have more people coming in. We'll talk to our the fan favorites. We've got Jenna Suru who'll be coming on during the season. We'll have uh, Dom Lenoir, Connor Buru, Shakespeare Sisters, uh, um, Giles Alderson. All of those people coming on to talk about the projects they've been doing. So we can say yes, let's support British in independent cinema. And also, thank you very much again to Resonance FM. I always like to make the line saying, you know, thank you for not listening to our show. Otherwise, you'd have cancelled it. I'll keep saying that. Keep not listening and keep letting us hijack your airways to ramble and whatnot. I have been Marcus E. Ackles. And I'm still producer Dave. 
And thank you very much for listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.